G'day folks, welcome to another episode of the Ubuntu Security Podcast. I'm Alex Murray. It's Friday the 14th of October, and this week we're going to do a deep dive into the recent release of the Ubuntu Pro Beta. I've actually got a great interview that I did with Lex Sandecki and Eduardo Barreto. A couple other folks from Canonical, Lex is the product manager for Ubuntu Pro, and Eduardo is on the security team with myself. And they both lend great aspects to the discussion of Ubuntu Pro, so that is coming up a bit later. You definitely want to check that one out. Uh, Ubuntu Pro is free for use for everyone, and we do go into that in some detail, so yeah, make sure you check that one out. But first, we are going to do the usual roundup of security fixes that have gone into the supported Ubuntu releases over the past week. This week, there were 49 unique CVEs that were addressed. Up first, we had an update for uh, DHCP, and that's the IC DHCP server. In this case, a couple of different denial of service uh, vulnerabilities there. In the first of these, a client could send a lease query to the server, which would then fail to properly uh, decrement a reference counter. And hence, you could eventually, through enough requests, uh, cause an, the overflow of that reference counter. That would then trigger an abort and therefore a crash of the server, so tr uh, denial of service there. Uh, similarly, uh, there was a memory leak that could be triggered uh, by a client sending craft a DHCP packet with a fully qualified the name name of longer than 64 bytes. Uh, the server would then fail to free all that memory. And eventually, if you do that enough times, you get it to run out of memory, again, crash and denial of service. Uh, but obviously, it's probably going to likely be restarted by systemd or you know whatever is managing that service. So not a huge uh, impact there, but you know they've now been fixed for uh, Ubuntu 18.04, 20.04, and 20.20 long-term support. Kitty, uh, the cross-platform fast feature-rich GPU-based terminal has been updated as well for Ubuntu 20 and 22.04 long-term support respectively. Uh, both of these were cases of uh, command injection into the terminal. The first of these is that Kitty supports uh, image display within the terminal. Uh, however, if it failed to read the image that was specified, it would then display an error message saying it failed to read that with the uh, file name that was uh, specified there. Uh, the problem is you could construct a file name such that you could then inject uh, terminal control characters uh, through the file name of that and therefore get arbitrary input into the terminal and hence arbitrary code execution as a result. That was fixed uh, properly, uh, just not well, just not display the file name and sanitize it. Uh, similarly, uh, Kitty also supports desktop notifications uh, via its own uh, OSC escape code. So it's implemented, I think, OSC escape code 99 for that. So a shell script or you know, a file, you could have content in there that would then essentially output uh, these special control codes that the terminal would then use to actually display a desktop notification. You can even embed things like a notification ID in there such that when you know, the user clicks the notification, uh, you then go and perform a certain action. Uh, as such, uh, it didn't properly sanitize those IDs. So again, you could inject uh, control characters through the notification ID so that when the user were to click on one of these notifications, it would then go and execute arbitrary code as a result. That one obviously requires an attacker to get you to display arbitrary content and then obviously click on the notification as well. So both those are low impact, but interesting to see, I guess, that when we add in uh, extra functionality like image display or notifications within a terminal, we are increasing its attack service. So, uh, you know, interesting there. Uh, Graphite 2, uh, the font rendering uh, engine, was uh, updated for 604 extended security maintenance due to a null pointer reference that could be triggered through a crafted uh, TTF file. What else? We had Thunderbird updated the latest upstream release, 102.2.2. Uh, this one has been requested a fair bit in the community. Uh, apologies that this one takes so long to get out. Uh, you know, the nature of uh, things like Firefox and Thunderbird uh, mean that they are harder to backport to older releases. But yeah, this has been backported to 18.04 long-term support plus 20.04 long-term support and 22.04 long-term support. Uh, in this case, had vulnerabilities like a denial of service against its inbuilt matrix client. 
Uh, a couple different ways you could get Thunderbird to eventually make a network request when opening a crafted email. In that case, both of these through uh, crafted HTML within an iframe. As such, then uh, you would allow the sender to track when or when you'd open that email. And also because uh, Thunderbird is built on Firefox, uh, various issues that we see in web frameworks through rendering of untrusted content, allowing things like denial of service attacks, uh, the ability to uh, spoof the mouse pointer or the address bar, uh, remote code execution and other things like that. Nginx was updated for all, uh, three different CVs on 64 extended security maintenance. Uh, all these around uh, HTTP request smuggling and I talked about those actually back in episode 157 when we covered that update uh, for the uh, LTS releases. OpenSSH was also updated for 64 extended security maintenance. In this case, it actually failed to properly drop permissions when it would execute uh, helper commands that you would specify through the authorized key command or the authorized principles command directed within your SSHD config. As such, it would then uh, run those commands with a group membership of the SSHD process itself, even if you had actually configured it to run them as a different user. As such, you know, it's a form of privilege escalation. It's not obviously a complete privilege escalation to say the SSHD user, which is often root, uh, but you know, a bit of a low impact that there though, because I guess that's not full privilege escalation as well. Uh, the non-default configuration, obviously to use those uh, commands, but then even to then specify a other user to execute them as, but that's been updated for OpenSSH. PCRE, the Perl compatible regex library has been updated for 604 extended security maintenance for a couple different out of bounds reads that could be triggered through crafted regexes, uh, leading to a denial of service through uh, applications that were using that. What else? Uh, LibreOffice has been updated for 2004 long-term support. Uh, so you're probably familiar that uh, document macros have been a common attack form vector against uh, Microsoft Office. And obviously LibreOffice aims to emulate a lot of what Microsoft Office does and have compatibility for all of its document types. So it also supports uh, macros as well. Uh, to mitigate this though, you can configure uh, LibreOffice to only execute macros that you trust, that have a trusted signature against them. However, it failed to properly uh, validate the signatures. In this case, it would only verify that uh, the certificate that has been used to sign a macro had the same serial number and issue a string of the trusted certificate. Uh, that then means that anyone could really create another certificate that had those same attributes. Obviously, it would actually have a different hash. And so yeah, it did actually fail to compare the hash of the certificates. So it wasn't doing a complete check there. Uh, that has been updated to do that properly. As well, LibreOffice has its own password database for storing the authentication info for various web connections. Uh, there was a couple different issues in the way that it implemented the encryption of that uh, via a master key that then meant it was a lot easier to crack that encryption key through a brute force attack. Essentially, uh, used the, I think we used the same IV and uh, didn't use enough entropy when uh, generating that key. So that then meant that, yeah, you could essentially do an offline brute force attack against that and crack that master password and get access to whatever credentials had been stored there for LibreOffice. Uh, obviously, as a local attacker, you need access to that in the first place. And given the way uh, directory permissions work, that's probably uh, unlikely, but that has now been fixed as well. Then we had a heap of kernel updates. So thanks as always to the kernel team for doing all the work on these and to Rodrigo Zayden on our team for preparing all of the USNs for these. It makes my job a lot easier. Uh, so the uh, 5.4 kernel on Ubuntu 18.0 long-term support that's used on GCP was updated for uh, six different CVEs. Most of these I've actually covered in previous weeks. Uh, includes things like a frame buffer driver uh, out of bounds right when changing font and screen sizes could lead to denial of service or code execution. What else? A uh, race condition in perf leading to a user after free. 
uh, net filter, remote denial of service through crafted packets. What else? Uh, lack of uh, proper IP source port randomization could then allow a TCP server to identify the host via whatever seemingly random uh, source port it had chosen. Denial of service or code execution uh, through DM Verity could be achieved because it failed to properly uh, enable load pin restrictions that could then allow an untrusted kernel modules or firmware to be loaded. Uh, that does require root privileges in the first place to be able to trigger that one. So yeah, a bit of a low priority that one. Uh, we had kernel updates as well for uh, 24 long-term supports. That's the 5.15 uh, GA kernel there as well used for hardware enablement on 2004 long-term support. We had a race condition leading to use after free in the uh, implementation of pipes. Uh, could lead to denial of service or code execution. Oh, there was another speculative execution vulnerability found. Again, uh, this is against processes that implement uh, EIBRS or Enhanced Indirect Branch Restricted Speculation. It's a feature that's designed to, I guess, help help protect against speculative execution vulnerabilities. However, it didn't properly handle uh, the return instructions in some cases, and therefore a local attacker could possibly uh, read sensitive info through a speculative execution attack. A use after free in IOU ring uh, could allow a local attacker to get code execution. A reference counting bug in Netlink uh, using XVOM protocol could uh, potentially underflow and therefore lead to an oops and so trigger a denial of service. Uh, and within KVM, an unprivileged guest user could compromise the guest kernel since it failed to properly handle TLB flushing in some cases. I think that one's found by Jan Horn from Google Project Zero. So good to see Jan, uh, as always, finding uh, awesome new bonds. Uh, we had a kernel update as well for the 5.4 kernel in Ubuntu 20.04 long-term support and that's also hardware enabled kernel on 18.04 long-term support and more of the same kind of uh, issues there. And similarly, the 4.15 kernel used on 18.04 long-term support was updated, which is again the uh, hardware enablement kernel for 16.04 extended security maintenance. Uh, and a couple more to go through. So uh, being patched Tuesday, Microsoft released an update for .NET 6, and which is now uh, shipped in 22.04 long-term support. As such, we updated for a single vulnerability there, which was an elevation of privilege via the NuGet client, which could allow a local attacker to get code execution. And finally, Advanced Comp was updated uh, for 18.04 long-term support and 16.04 extended security maintenance. In this case, it's uh, a bunch of recompression utils and uh, being uh, handling compression formats and the like. We see a couple different uh, memory management issues here. So a null pointer dereference and a heap buffer overflow that could be triggered through opening of crafted files were both fixed. And that is it for the week in security updates. All right, so the other big thing I wanted to talk about this week is uh, the launch of the Ubuntu Pro Beta that was announced actually last week. It's had a fair bit of media attention and the like, but I thought instead of just uh, me talking about it, it'd be good to get uh, some others to talk about it as well. So I got Lex Zandecki, product manager for that, and Eduardo Barreto, uh, one of the other engineers on the Ubuntu security team, to talk about that with me. Thanks for having me, Alex. Uh, so my name is Lek. I'm the product manager here at Canonical taking care of the Ubuntu Pro. Uh, very happy to be here and very happy that we were able to launch the, the Ubuntu Pro Beta, as you mentioned last week. And uh, yeah, I've been with Canonical for a little over three years. So I've been here for a while and happy to share what, we, what we've done so far. Eduardo. Yeah, so good to be here, uh, first time. But yeah, I'm a senior engineer in the security team. Uh, many of you might see me on the IRC channels talking a lot. <laughs> uh, and yeah, I'm here since the beginning of Ubuntu Pro, I think. Uh, not the infra part, let's say, but the Ubuntu Pro uh, and other products that are now part of Ubuntu Pro as well. And yeah, hopefully we can answer some questions. Awesome. 
All right, so I think like might be best to start with you, I guess. Um, you know, given this is the launch of Ubuntu Pro as a product, you know, can you give us a bit of a, I guess, a high-level overview of what Ubuntu Pro is, what it comprises, and I guess what um, when people are subscribing to that, what are they actually getting? Sure. So maybe let's take a step back for the just for for starters and and, and paint sure. a bigger picture to to mention the problem that we're trying to solve with Ubuntu Pro and what it actually what it actually is for. So you know that. The open source is, is pretty much everywhere across multiple organizations, and it's very hard to find an organization that is not using some part of open source code in their in their code bases. But the more I look across different uh, studies or or analysts uh, uh, reports, I find that you know a lot of this code has has vulnerabilities, and there is numerous reports out there that show that you know up to seventy five percent of of code bases used by enterprises. Have 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 had some vulnerabilities in uh, when they when the report was created, and with Ubuntu Pro we are trying to 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 find a better solution for that. Meaning that the code that you're pulling from Ubuntu repositories is something that security team has already fixed and 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 tested, so that the code that you're consuming is actually from a trusted source. And this is the key value prop of of, of Ubuntu Pro. And it's not just for the operating system; it's also for all the tool chains and applications that you're running on top of your operating system. Okay, so we have you know, the security team has existed since the beginning of Ubuntu, and we've been patching uh, things in Ubuntu that whole time. But um, Ubuntu Pro, I guess, adds uh, more to that story than just what the security team has always done. Um, you know, traditionally we've patched what is the the main component in the Ubuntu archive, and uh, so Ubuntu Pro adds now support for patching universe. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so if you think about what is the key value of getting Ubuntu LTS, so the long term supported release is this promise that we will deliver on the maintaining the the main part of the of the Ubuntu archive for for 5 years this is why so many people are choosing to use Ubuntu LTS versus the interim release or any other linux distribution out there and by the way we are the ones who who actually created the term LTS many years ago so it was the first time when when someone used an LTS term was was one of the early Ubuntu LTSs and since we're providing that it was you know first of all many many of our enterprise company customers have asked us to extend this period from five years to, to a longer period because every time they have to migrate to a newer LTS it's you know it it, it it's comes with certain risks not for the operating system itself but for all the applications that are running on top of the operating system meaning that you'll need to move to a newer versions maybe you'll break some APIs you know it's it's a project so you need to find out if it's a project that you're willing to to undertake when it comes to the risks, when it comes to the time that it will take to migrate to a newer version, and also some potential issues that you might find on the way. So it's it's it it comes with some with some costs, and this is why we've a couple of years ago we we uh, created a product that was called ESM, Extended Security Maintenance, which could extend the time for of of the security maintenance from five years to ten years. So this will give you this additional five years after the standard support. Uh, uh, period has finished, and it will allow you to uh, consume uh, securely all the packages in in Ubuntu LTS for the full lifetime of of Ubuntu of Ubuntu LTS. So, for example, the release that we had uh, in 2014, uh, so 1404, is still uh, supported and still maintained in 2024. So, for another another almost two years, one year and a half, and this is shows you the 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 lifespan of, of an ubuntu lts for the latest release that we had the the gemmy jellyfish uh, which we launched just earlier this year in in april 
it will still continue to be supported and maintained until 2032, so 10 years from now, which is which is kind of crazy. And this is what we what we used to do for for quite some some time. Now with Ubuntu Pro, what we're doing is that we are not only delivering the same promise of 10 years, but we are extending that for 10 times more packages or even more than 10 times, covering the whole, what we call the universe repository, which is around, you know, more than 23,000, starting with, with, with Signal, so 14.04, and it extends to more than 30,000 packages with the latest release with Jamie. Yeah, so uh, Eduardo, you mentioned before um, ESM apps, and I guess sort of internally, that's what we've always uh, called this component, which is... Uh, now, well, I guess the patching of uh, things in universe. Can you, I guess, describe that a bit more? Because when people are actually using this with the uh, the pro command line client, when you go pro enable, um, you'll actually be enabling ESM apps, I believe, is the um, the component there. So I guess explaining a bit about what that is and what that really refers to would be useful, I think. Yeah, so ESM apps uh, in the infrastructure is mainly a PPA that you have access to where in there, you'll find uh, universe packages that were patched by us. Those CVs that we patched there, they still fall under the criteria of being either high critical and mainly mediums. So you have a bunch of mediums there because, yeah, uh, a lot of the universe CVs, uh, they are mediums uh, right now. Uh, who knows in the, the future? And the idea is that you can get ESM apps during the LTS time. So you can get the security fixes for universe packages during the LTS time. Uh, that doesn't mean that we are not doing community sponsoring. Uh, we still will do those and those will go to the archive. Uh, it's just a means for us to deliver security fixes for clients that have special requests and wants us to support special packages in universe. And after the LTS period, you continue to have ESM apps there or yeah, as a whole Ubuntu Pro. So uh, Universe will be supported by 10 years, let's say for 10 years. Yeah, and so I also wanted to mention that ESM apps currently in the client is still behind the beta flag. So if you're entitled, for example, with a personal subscription that we'll cover, I guess, later, you need to the command that you need to run actually is is pro enable ESM apps dash dash beta to be able to enable that at the moment. Yeah, so I, th I think the sort of evolution of what ESM is as a name um, is a bit interesting to look at. You know, initially that was uh, for back in the twelve oh four release, the precise pangolin, that was kind of a curated subset of the packages in main, and particularly it was the set of packages I believe that were shipped on the server ISO. Um, and then when we uh, sort of looked at that for 14.04, we initially started with a similar um, idea, but then uh, certainly by 16.04, now that ESM was covering uh, all of main, and now with the release of Ubuntu Pro, we're now expanding that to actually cover all of universe as well. We changed what ESM means from extended security maintenance to expanded security maintenance. So it's still called ESM, but the actual meaning behind the words is slightly different because it's not just extending the lifespan of, of the, the coverage, but it also extends it if you if you wish to to more packages. And I guess the the other thing about this is that um, this work's actually been going on for quite a while. The team has been working on this um, for a few years now, actually kind of building up this uh, reserve of packages uh, to really add um, value to this product uh, when it's uh, initially launched. You know, it'd be one thing just to say, well, from now on we're going to start patching things, but that then would 
uh, you know, there's, there's no real value then in uh, in subscribing to that initially, right? Whereas now, uh, there is a big uh, a big lot of packages there that we've got available uh, and that will be, I guess, starting to be uh, released as part of that. Is that right, Lek? Yes. So actually, how it started was from the different custom requests from from our enterprise customers, who of course wanted to use what we have in the Ubuntu main repository, and this is why they got into an LTS and then you know got into into ESM, but of course, they also used some of the pieces from from Ubuntu Universe. So, essentially, we we had uh, multiple requests uh, from from paying customers asking us to patch a little bit here and to patch a little bit there. And eventually, we realized that that what we actually want to do and what we want to step up, up to to do was to to cover the the whole universe. Of course, it's a huge undertaking when it comes to the scope of of of, of the security commitment that we need to that we need to deliver on. You know, ten times more security patching for each Ubuntu LTS that is currently maintained. It's, it's, it's a big undertaking. But I think we are, you know, we have proven over and over again with every new LTS and with all the security maintenance commitments that we delivered on successfully over the last 18 years or so, that we that we have tools and knowledge and processes to be able to deliver on that. So I think that it's a it's a it's a, it's a great ambition, but also it's it's very valuable for our for our customers. And as I mentioned, it started with as a as a special request or as a you know a kind of um, custom request for for from from individual customers, but what we intend to do is to is to make it a product and also make it freely available for our our community and 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 personal users. And if I can add to that, like uh, Ubuntu Pro seems like a natural step in what Ubuntu wants to achieve, which is being a stable and secure release. So being able to expand this to universe packages and also users now can like have access to live patch and other uh, security offers as well. This is just a natural step throughout all those years. And yeah, it took us almost four years uh, to get this right and to get the PPAs populated, uh, but all this was related to how many packages we have in universe, uh, the different languages involved, the know-how you need to get from building the packages, testing it, how it can reproduce the infrastructure changes that we needed uh, to serve this to people. So there was a lot of steps involved. That's why it took yeah almost four years, but it's also a natural step from what Ubuntu wants to be uh, for the users. Yeah, I think it uh, really addresses, um, like you said, like I guess actually that we've had uh, enterprise customers uh, requesting this because whilst uh, for Canonical, we've always had this distinction between main and universe, I think to a lot of our users and a lot of our customers, that's maybe not necessarily clear that um, traditionally, you know, main is what is supported by Canonical and universe is what is uh, normally community supported. Um, but then obviously the level of support you get then it varies quite different between those two. And we have customers that, um, you know, they're not aware of that distinction or, um, that's maybe not a useful distinction to them because ultimately they're going to use whatever pieces of software that are in the archive. Uh, and so then, yeah, like you said, Eduardo, I guess this really does um, kind of level up Ubuntu and uh, brings that level of commitment uh, that everyone has been uh, wanting and I guess have been expecting. We also have found quite a few users who are using software from multiple sources. And, you know, there is like a ton of dependencies that you have in each individual projects that you might be using. And there is stuff available on GitHub and elsewhere. and Basically, the, the the issue that they found uh, when working with with our enterprise customers is that 
sometimes they don't even have visibility into what is being used across across the board in, in the, their organizations. So they're using tools like the software uh, composition analysis tools to really understand what's, what is being used even before they can start prioritizing fixes and identifying what needs to be fixed. But with the value proposition of Ubuntu Chrome, as long as they consume open source from Ubuntu repositories and they have Ubuntu Pro subscription enabled, they know that all of the packages that they're consuming from there, including dependencies, will be security patched by Canonical. And this is a huge, huge value proposition for that we that we can can deliver on. And one more statistic that I wanted to share uh, was from the latest uh, 2022 State of Open Source Security Report by SNCC, which found that the average number of days that it takes to fix the vulnerability in the enterprise space is 98 days, so almost 100 days to actually apply security fix that is available out there. And, and it takes so much time to actually identify it, prioritize it, and test it and, and roll it on production, which is which is an, a number that I, I I hope no one no one can feel good about and, and we can do it much, much quicker. I think that our internal KPIs for fixing a, a critical vulnerability is is less than 24 hours on average. Yeah, I think it's certainly something the whole team is is very proud of. We obviously take it very seriously. Uh, we have a lot of uh, respect for our customers and our users, and we want to make sure that we are delivering uh, those those fixes uh, as quick as we can. Yeah. So the other thing I guess I wanted to ask about this is that you know you mentioned the beta. So uh, what can users expect? I guess as part of that. So I guess before launching something big, it's always good to to ask some users and ask some feedback and 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 let people play with it before uh, before rolling it over, you know, and 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 seeing how it how it's working on the production. So what we're trying to create right now is to create some engagement around the the beta. So you need to take a couple of steps to actually uh, get your uh, ESM apps enabled with your Ubuntu Pro subscription, and then. There is the whole tutorial that I published on our discourse, which walks you through how to discover the value on your on your machine. So actually, what I would recommend our our listeners to do is to, to go to the tutorial and and find out how to how to apply fixes on your existing Ubuntu VMs. You can either create a new VM or you can use a VM that you have in the in the staging environment. I wouldn't recommend doing anything in production with a product that is currently in beta, but basically the the tutorial that I published on on discourse allows you to uh, identify what security fixes would be available for your estate if you used Ubuntu Pro and uh, get those packages upgraded and understand which CVs you're, you're fixing for. And this will be CV fixes that are not available without Ubuntu Pro subscription. Awesome. And like I said, Wada, you mentioned it before, but uh, I think it's it's worth reiterating really that um you know this doesn't uh well you know the, the ubuntu community is still uh extremely important to us you know so uh, traditionally when packages were community supported uh the way that uh, they could be patched uh, for vulnerabilities is people could uh prepare a, a diff basically and then we would sponsor that update for them you know we would verify that obviously they had uh, patched it correctly and that there weren't any issues uh, and then we would go on and do that upload for them and so that's still going to continue uh, whilst we've got Ubuntu Pro. We will still have things, or, you know, any anything that comes from the community will still be put into the the primary Ubuntu archive. It won't go into um, the ESM apps. You know, ESM apps is only for the work that uh, Canonical is doing. And particularly, I guess, as you said, that's really driven by customer demand. Yeah, that's exactly my point. And one thing that the users might see nowadays, and we've been doing this for, I think, the past year, is whenever we do a uh, community sponsoring, we are also issuing uh, Ubuntu security notices. 
So hopefully you all been getting those informations. We don't want to have yeah uh, things fixed and without doing the proper announcements. And this will also be true if with ESM or Ubuntu Pro uh, for universe packages. Whenever we are out of the beta into the public release, uh, we will start to have USNs uh, for those uh, fixes that we patch it as well. So hopefully everyone can track what's being fixed. Uh, and this will answer any doubts that you have if something was fixed or not and where uh, it was fixed as well. Well, yeah, the main idea is to give as much uh, information for the community and continue to support the community as much as we can. Let me just double down on that point because I think it's really important. And I would like to, to mention that what Ubuntu Pro brings to our users, whether they are free personal users or, or enterprises who would, who would pay for access to Ubuntu Pro, is more services on top of Ubuntu LTS. So it's not a new distro, it's not a new release of Ubuntu that is called Ubuntu Pro, it's the same Ubuntu LTS, it's just another layer of uh, security and compliance services that you can enable on top of an existing LTS. And we are not taking anything away. You can still use Ubuntu as you did for many years without any subscription whatsoever, and our commitments to Ubuntu LTS are not changing. Or you can continue to use what we called Ubuntu Advantage uh, products as you did before with no scope or price change whatsoever. The only thing we've changed recently was to uh, put all of our subscriptions under the same naming convention. So Ubuntu Advantage for infrastructure has become uh, Ubuntu Pro infra only, but this is the the actual only change, the, the the change in the naming. And with Ubuntu Pro, we are just expanding the the scope, and we are adding more features on top of what we previously provided without any changes to the scope or to the prices or to the actual commitments that we've made to either Ubuntu LTS or uh, subscriptions on top of it. And I guess we've mentioned it in passing a couple of times, but to, I guess, be specific about it is, you know, this is available freely uh, for personal use. So I believe you go to ubuntu.com slash pro and you can then sign up there to get your access token. And That's then exactly it's, right. Uh, so you, can, you can register, you can, we only ask you to provide uh, our email address because you need to uh, create an Ubuntu uh, One account and this will allow you to get a token and this token can be consumed on up to five machines whether there are VMs or physical servers or, or workstations, we don't, we don't really care. And you can even use it for your own business. So if you're like a small organization and if you own a business, you can use those services um, on, your, on your enterprise machines. So the personal use, as we call it, it's, it's not very strict. You know, it's, it's, it's personal, but it's, it's in, in a very wide, wide sense. So what we would not agree on is, is if you had, I don't know, if you're like a medium-sized company and you have five different users and they all registered and they all try to use five machines, this would be the breach of the of the terms and conditions of, of use for, for personal use. But if you own the business and if you want to use it on up to five machines, if you have, you know, a small Ubuntu estate, you know, to production servers, to, to, to the servers for, for development, you can perfectly use the, the whole commercial uh, uh, Ubuntu Pro free of charge whatsoever. And hopefully your your business will will become successful and you will grow and maybe you will can become a paying customer and maybe even opt in to get good to get phone and ticket support from Canonical. Awesome. Yeah. I had I mean I've actually heard on a few other podcasts uh discussion of Ubuntu Pro and there was some certainly there was some confusion on some where uh it 
you know, they were saying, well, I don't think it's really for me because, you know, I'm not using any of the distros that, uh, well, the distros, I'm, well, the releases I'm using are still in LTS. Uh, and so I think, you know, the other part of this is that, yes, it's it's free for uh, personal use, but also it applies to all of the LTSs. So 2204, you know, the most recent LTS, like you said, like, you know, that has Ubuntu Pro support as well. So we are patching uh, packages in universe as part of that. Uh, so you, there is value for all of our LTS customers. We've never made any commitments to patching Ubuntu universe repository ever before. So this is a big change. And I think that a lot of users will see uh, the difference when we when we go out of beta and we start to announce uh, USNs for those security patches that are available in the universe. I think that, you know, looking at the different different tool chains and different different uh, application types that you can uh, consume from, from Ubuntu universe, there is still a lot of, uh, for example, Python 2 packages in Ubuntu 2004 in the universe. There is like, I don't know, almost 10 times more packages for, for Python 3. There is Go, OpenGDK, Ruby, Node, PHP. There is a ton of, of, of good stuff that, that many developers out there will be, will be using. And there is much more value for, for those developers if they uh, use Ubuntu Pro, if they use a subscription on top of, of their Ubuntu LTS. And also, if you're like a desktop user, just like me, and you have old hardware around your house running some service, and you just keep it on 24 hours, seven days a week, and you don't want, don't want to reboot, there is, uh, yeah, the ease of use of live patch, uh, live patch right now. Uh, so you can certainly use it, see how it works, if it's worth for your case. Uh, you'll be getting a kernel patches so you'll be sure that your kernel uh, is safe uh, and yeah depending on the service it's it always everything will depend on the service that you're running so if it's something from universe you probably want to have those security patches so yeah i think there is a use case for everyone uh it just depends on what do you use on your day-to-day Maybe it's a good point also to mention other services that come together with Ubuntu Pro because, of course, security patching is the key service that comes with Ubuntu Pro, whether it's uh, security uh, maintenance for Ubuntu main or for Ubuntu universe repository, but there is also the kernel live patch, as Eduardo mentioned, and a bunch of uh, compliance and hardening uh, features, such as uh, the FIPS crypto modules that are NIST certified, Ubuntu security guide, which comes with the CIS hardening and disastic profiles, and in the previous releases of Ubuntu Pro, also the common criteria benchmark. All right. Well, I think um, yeah, I think we've certainly uh, covered that in a lot of detail. I want to thank you both uh, for joining me today. I'll have links in the show notes, uh, particularly to your uh, discourse thread, uh, LEC, which has a lot more details in it, uh, how people can enable it, and yeah, how they can try it out, and certainly how they can also leave feedback uh, as well. Because yeah, as LEC said, we're certainly open for any feedback uh, at this point about how uh, people are finding it uh, and yeah, what their experience has been. Personally, for me, it's it's really important. I ran a small private beta earlier this year to find out how uh, our existing customers are finding the service and where's the value and 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 how to make it really, uh, you know, clear and and understandable for for our users. But I'm looking for a much broader feedback right now since we launched uh, beta in, uh, you know, over the last couple of days. And uh, I would encourage everyone to, to really participate and to jump in, ask questions and, and, and share your feedback. And this will be one of the prerequisites from us to move from, from beta to GA. So I'm really hoping for our community participation. All right. Thanks again. I'll talk to you both soon. Thanks, Thank Alex. You.
And thanks again, Lek and Eduardo. I'll definitely have to get you guys back and uh, talk about some more stuff in the future. All right, so that takes us to the end of this week's episode. Thanks, everyone, for listening again, as usual. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us about anything you've heard on here, in particular things like feedback on the Ubuntu Pro Beta, uh, you actually can do that through the uh, Discord thread that's linked in the show notes. But anything else, reach us at security.ubuntu.com or you can come find us in the Ubuntu security channel on libero.chat. You'll probably find Eduardo there. He would love to chat to you there. Or you can also find us on Twitter at Ubuntu underscore sec as well. All right, I'll be back again with you all next week. But until then, remember, keep calm because we've got your back and I'll speak to you soon. Bye.